Welcome everybody to Behind the Blade Podcast, episode four zero big four zero. Stay tuned for some anecdotes, some weekly recaps, and the legendary troll moon. And we are back from that real quick musical segue that we love so very much. It was a good find, actually. I think Matt, you and I sat down and we both found that song. Oh, haters or, are gonna hate. I love that track. Yeah, I do too. I also love the uh, I love the interlude music too. Yeah. yeah, according according to the ads, I mean because it's a it's kind of like a hot reggae beat. In- interlude. Is interlude the wrong word? Interlude is the wrong word. I don't know. Is it the wrong? I'm not uh, sure if it is. Yep. I feel no. like uh, that's something you do extramaritally. <laughs> 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 we do not approve of yeah, these. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're so we're back. So this is uh, this is going to be a little bit of a free form episode. Um, and uh, and honestly, honestly, we've got some good stuff planned out. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. You know, honest, the way that this came to be is Jim and I are sitting downstairs uh, here at the studio, and we were talking. We were talking about our week, and we were kind of going through these scenarios that have played out that we've had to deal with or that were cool or whatever. And then we looked at each other. We're like, we should really be discussing this on the show because we were basically <laughs> having a podcast just in a smoky room by ourselves. Right. And so, you know, it's like, we need to bring this to the show. Right. We're, 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 like, we're like, well, we're back to our roots without having any mics on. So yeah. We are. Yeah. So now my ears are warm. You guys can hear us. And we're going to talk about the same stuff, uh, hopefully with either equal to or greater than humor and or charm. Definitely uh, charm, one hundred percent charm. All right, so Matt's got a ton of knives I've today, got, dude. I have, was, some, I have some exciting knives. Right. I, have, I have two exciting, two exciting knives and one that you guys don't care about. So, <laughs> is that the demo knife? Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I brought my demo knife because I love that knife, though. It's cool. I know. Well, and I'm a geek, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I I build these little kits. And mm-hmm. I, here, okay. So let's just get right to it. Yeah, yeah. We know about the demo knife. I just made a uh, kind of an homage piece to the Marbles Jet Pilot Survival Knife, made famous by Camilla in Ontario, which is unfortunate, but you guys have heard their history segment on that. Uh, it, I recently acquired a Jet Pilot Survival Knife that was a Camillus from 1981. Uh, I may have talked about it a few shows ago or whatever, but the cutting geometry was, I mean, and I'm not that big of a snob. I mean, it was bad. I couldn't tell which was the spine and which was the edge. <laughs> and uh, one of my customers and actually dear friends of mine was talking in our Facebook group and he had mentioned in Seer School that that's what they had. They had the bolt knife and I don't remember what he called the the U.S. knife, the U.S. knife, the U.S. knife. You have the bolt it, it knife was, and the U.S. knife, but it was a jet pilot survival knife and a Camilla's demo knife and a Camilla's demo <laughs> knife. And I said, "Well, that's pretty cool." And I was like, "Man, how unfortunate the soul that has to do basic bushcraft tasks like survival skills with the jet pilot, which is sharpened kind of like a spoon." So I, I, I re- and somebody had even uh, called out Tom Crine. They're like, "I've been thinking about sending one of these into Tom Crine and having him regrind mm-hmm. it." I'm cheap and broke and Tom's busy. So mm-hmm. I didn't. And I was like, I also can regrind it. And, uh, <laughs> and so I did. So I threw it on my soft platen and I reground it to kind of a semi-convex zero grind. And it is, it makes the knife cool. Cause it's got yeah. all the nostalgia to it. Right. So this is yeah, like absolutely. I said from 81. Uh, the, it's, a, yeah, it's a really, really clean Matt Martin grind too. I mean, you take one look at it. It's nice and sharp and crisp. It's a good finish. It, you know, it's neat. Yeah, it's it, neat. It, yeah, it, yeah, it, it did a good job. Cuts like the mm-hmm. Dickens like three times before you have to mm-hmm. resharpen it because I'm pretty sure that he treated these to like 54. <laughs> <laughs> and so He's like, can we sneak these in with your kitchen knives? Yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but they do cut. They do sharpen real easy in the yep. field. So mm-hmm. there is a benefit there. Absolutely. Uh, I'm actually going to have a broken sharpening stone that I really mm-hmm. like. It's uh, like a, it's on the nicer spectrum of uh-huh. ceramic stones, a commercial stone. But I, I think 
I dropped it and it shattered. <laughs> I've uh, done that in the shop before too. At which point I promptly <laughs> pointed to the person that was nearest to me and blamed them for it. Like this happened in the shop. And I was like, you did this. <laughs> she wasn't involved at all. Um, but I'm going to take it over to Huck over at uh, Ghost Town mm-hmm. Custom Knives. He does a lot of lapidary work and stuff like that. So I know that he's got the wet diamond grinders to mm-hmm. reshape this jagged edge so that it fits in the pocket which had like this really rubbish aluminum oxide stone that came with the survival okay. knife. So yep. I'm going to replace it with a nice ceramic with a little notch for doing fish hooks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I'm excited about that. And I was like, well, cool. Now that this knife is functioning and just looks BA, I am going to pair it with the us knife. The bolt knife and the us knife are <laughs> reunited once again, mm-hmm. except it's just going to be in my go to work backpack. Like my, you know, it's not like a get home bag or a bug out bag. It's really just a little rucksack that I carry mm-hmm. um, that a good friend of mine actually gave me and I've customized it. And it'd be nice to have a fixed blade knife in there and a pocket knife in right. there. That'll be the dedicated pair. And yep. It could be something as simple as like, hey, let's go build a fire in the woods while you're hanging out with some friends. You can just go grab the pack and you've got everything. You've already got it. It's like your purse, but not as lame. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so I have that. And then today, uh, on the rare occasion, I'm actually carrying this Michael Zeba Ostra. I don't know. It's a Zeba. It looks really rakish. It looks like a (laughs) Bowie knife. It's a titanium frame lock Mm -hmm. out of Nitro V, which is supposed to be steel. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I've heard good things about Nitro V. I, mm-hmm. I, it's I a, just don't care. So, yeah, like I, it's a, it's 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 got the nitrogen in it, which is supposed to make. Um, okay, and I, I'm probably wrong, and I'm and I'm making somebody very angry by saying this, but but there are two points about Nitro V. I call it a member of the 440B family. Ooh, ouch, that's strong. And and, and 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 I'm just talking about like you know in that same realm of of, of chemical composition. Okay, right. Well, right? I, so I don't think a lot of neophytes i'll use that term know how deep the 440 scale goes dude yeah. and the fact that a lot of the stuff we work with is modified 440 a b or c in oh some yeah variation. Well, well, well this is this is this is definitely a type of modified 440 b now that's not a dig on the steel because as soon as i said that you know that somebody took off their headphones how they crashed their car into a telephone pole you? and they went how does this it anywhere close to 440 b and i'm like well it is a little bit because they're all you know that Roughly the same carbon content, roughly the same, you know, other chromium, stuff. Yeah. You know, roughly the same chromium stuff. Um, but they were all based out of the formula for 440B. But this includes uh, 12C27, 13C26, AEBL. I mean, it's a, the rabbit hole goes pretty deep on that family. And it's not a dig on it at all. It's just a member of the family. It's amazing what happens yeah. when you could toss some vanadium in the mix. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Yeah, the vanadium is an awesome additive to steel, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So uh, that one's made out of Nitro V. Nitro V, I like and, it. Uh, and what's, what's, the, what's the other scale? Uh, G10. Okay, it's so G10. It's, yeah, okay. it's titanium and yeah. G10. Now, the thing about this knife is it's actually a pretty chunky knife, which mm-hmm. is uh, against my typical carry conventions because it is, it's, but it's really hand filling. Right. It's hand filling the way like a fixed blade would be, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, which doesn't make for like the best low profile pocket carry. But what Zeba did is he pocketed the crap out of everything. So you have the scale side is pocketed. The liner is completely skeletonized underneath the G10. So the weight to chunkiness ratio is insane. It doesn't weigh very much more than a PM2, but it fills your hand like a fixed plate. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I've I've always had this term, and I think I might have said it on the show a couple times before, is that that if you're a fixed blade lover, you're going to like this knife. Yep. Yep. Because, Because fixed blades fill your hand. 
I mean, they're they're meant to like be a strong working knife, and you don't really get that a lot in the folder community. This is one of those knives that breaks that mold. So yep. it's a fixed blade lover's folder. I, yes, and, I, I think that's a good description. And, and that's a positive. Yep. It's a positive. I think it's really cool. And, I, and it is pretty comfortable. I could definitely see myself making, you know what, a, making something with this. This is cool. The blade is really kind of out there which i like you know what I mean? yeah. it's pretty radical looking well, blade I mean, design this is this is it has it has a grind setup something that you would do right yeah, yeah. i mean and and it, and it is cool you can see why i would like it and uh my good friend mikhail van hoot uh he was like you're gonna like this knife and he handed it to me and i was like you're right but the handle's really plain and so in my mind i think this is a donor <laughs> for customization Yes. I just don't carry it enough to have any wear on it where I'm comfortable even taking it apart yet. So I think I'm going to carry it for a while. And then mm-hmm. once it starts looking like it's been around the block once or twice, then I'll go through and custom machine that backspacer. I'll probably mm-hmm. anodize the frame and add a yep. bolster to the G10 side. I think that is a fantastic idea. And it'd be really easy to do, too. It doesn't, it doesn't look like it'd be hard. Yeah, it's just time and money, man. That's yeah. all. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I suppose, yeah. It's just time and money. It's just you time know? and money. That's all. Yeah, it is. no big deal. That's all you need to customize no them. Oh, there's a channel in the backspacer on the back, on the inside. Yeah, so that clears the edge. Yeah. There's like a furrow. So Jim is holding the knife uh, open, and you're looking between the scales from the inside of the backspacer. And there's a furrow where the edge sits, and that allows the blade to close even tighter. Yeah into the handle i mean it's really for, well designed and engineered yeah, for for a lower profile and if you were to take this out oh yeah no no you, you know what you know what that still just barely covers the tip too so i, I mean like so so yeah if, if you if you were to raise the blade up he couldn't have the same blade shape no he'd, yeah, have, to, he'd have to change it yep so yeah no well thought out and, and the furrow looks cool too it's got that tapered fuller look it's so a, it's a so detail it, yeah no so so right right on the right on the back of the knife it's totally round but then it tapers about I don't know, halfway through the knife, up to a nice, sexy little point directly in the middle of that backspacer. Neat, right? It's pretty slick. Yep. Yeah. I dig it. It's little a, details. I, I think it's a well-thought-out knife. Overall, uh, it's got a pretty gnarly lanyard hole, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, the blade-to-handle ratio, it mm-hmm. actually looks like the handle's shorter than the blade. It does a little <laughs> like bit, it, yeah. It, which is a miracle yeah. when you're talking folders. So. Right, which is really, really tough to do. Usually, it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. This is yep. definitely the white buffalo of proportion, in my opinion. So. Yep. Great job! Yeah, pretty cool. Did you get any new knives recently? Or uh, no, I didn't. Um, other than other than the uh, the stuff that I'm just making out of the custom shop, that's that's pretty much it. Yo, you know what I got? What What did you get? What did you get? It's been we ended up missing an episode around Thanksgiving week, and mm-hmm. that's why we're recording on a Monday. Also, um, I got the I got a buck one nineteen from one of our listeners. Oh, did you really? I did. That's awesome. Yeah, and yeah. he's he's been to my house uh, once during travels back in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Him and his family stopped by, and it was really cool. And all of a sudden, the mail came in. I was talking about a 119 and how I don't have one. And I was, that that was also in my backpack kit with a buck 110. So I go through these cycles of like, <laughs> what? Fixed blade and folder go with me. But uh, yeah, it was I was super excited about it. And it's such a beautiful knife. I cleaned it up and yeah, things just... God, it gets that that 420 HC gets mm-hmm. so friggin' sharp. Yeah, it does. It's like a little <laughs> surgical scalpel. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So many thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, cool. Yeah. Anything new coming in your world? Anything? Um. Um. Just. Just the. Just the custom shop. I don't even know if I've talked about that on the podcast. Or no. Have you. Got, have you acquired any new knives? Uh, we make new knives. I know every all day. the time, man. Um. No. <laughs> do you ever get your Doug Ritter Griptilian? No, I have not gotten that yet. Oh. I, I. I do have that, and just to update you guys. Um. For those of you who don't know, I did place a pre-order for Doug Ritter's new knife coming from Hogue. Coming. From- I, I think it's pronounced Hogui. I think you're putting me on. I am. Okay. (laughs) 
I'm like, no way would I get it that wrong. <laughs> um, but no, no, it, it's a. Uh, I'm excited about it. It was a really good price. Good, good cause. Good dude. So, yep. so I'm in on that. Yeah, but, like but nothing yet. Okay. Nothing yet. When I get it, when I get it, you guys will know. Cool. So, yeah. Well, we will be back with some recaps from the week because Jim and I have both uh, overcome some unique challenges in between our two shops. And we'd like to share that with you guys in the trenches as well as you knife customers and aficionados to know just what goes into that simple little light box that shows up in your mailbox. Because <laughs> it is a lot. Anyway, stay tuned. We'll be back after this. All right. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big fan of combination diamond or ceramic stones, uh, pocket stones. That's what goes with me on my belt. Usually it'll be in a possible pouch when I'm, you know, doing like a lightweight overnighter. But what about base camp? What about a day of batoning through wood or cutting stuff? Or what if, God forbid, you had to use your knife to dig something? People do that. I've done it. I'm not allowed to say that I am a proponent of it, but I've done it numerous times. So after a long day in the woods doing things with your knife that knives are intended to do for all intents and purposes, you need to possibly restore your edge. You can go back to base camp, you don't have a TV, you don't have an iPad, you don't have a Kindle, you have your friends to talk with, you have a campfire to sit around with, and sometimes, we've touched on this before, that meditative, repetitive motion of using your KME guided sharpening system is what helps pass the time while being productive so whether it's at home in your basement in your tool shed or at base camp i've got to say i absolutely still to this day love that zen time of improving the performance of my knives by using my kme sharpening system if you want to find out what it is that i love so much about it go visit kmesharp.com and make sure you tell them behind the blade sent you And we are back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's more fun than a barrel of monkeys in here right now, let me yeah, tell you. It's, it, it's, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking uh, off air, which is what prompted us to get off our butts and come up here and start the show, about, you know, Jim's experimenting with the custom shop. So he's doing a lot more handwork than would be in his normal work week, which is, I think, super awesome. And he's learning a lot of the intricacies of custom knife making versus semi-production knife making mm-hmm. and I've, yeah and i've been making semi-production knives for close to 15 years yeah yeah exactly you know, so, yeah. So, so there's a shorter learning curve on the machines to exactly how exactly how to use them you're right i mean you, you know, know what a belt's gonna do yep. mm-hmm. you know how steel feels when you grind it but starting from scratch versus starting from a water jet blank or a lead-in bevel that was ground mechanically or something yep. like that right? and, and i've only done that a handful of times before this yeah which so, is yeah, yeah. and i've I've actually got to see Jim grow through all this. So it's kind of exciting for me as a knife maker. So, but uh, yeah, we were talking about um, sweeping plunges on a hollow grind. Now, obviously you can do sweeping plunges on a flat grind too, but we were talking about on a hollow. So that's that's what we're going to get into. And Jim, you were saying that you have kind of, figured out the manipulations to get that sweeping plunge on the flat, right? Mm -hmm. So we always want to have a little bit of a radius plunge. I I think the ABS likes a 90 degree plunge for integrity's sake, or maybe it's aesthetic's sake. In my case, um, I like a radius plunge. And if that, uh, this is hard to describe, but if you were looking flat at the knife, Ken Onion is really the master of the sweeping plunge, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest with you. Him and uh, Rod Chappell, Mike Erie can do it really well too. 
Um, Bob Loveless was able to do it to some extent also. But uh, as the grind line initiates at the Ricasso and moves into the bevel, instead of coming up and then doing like a 90 degree into the bevel, it should be like a nice big radius right there. Mm -hmm. And the, the way I do that is I drift the belt. Yeah. And I will walk from tip to plunge mm -hmm. in the grind and then vary your pressure. Is that kind of what you discovered or that, what tricks do you have? So it's a little bit of both to do the sweeping plunges. So I have two different types of plunges on these daggers. And uh, and it was more like I accidentally applied a little bit too much pressure on the spine when I was into the sweeping plunge. And, and now it, you have three to correct. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what I started doing, and I got it down now, the nice perfect it's almost like a like a three-quarter inch radius yeah where it's right. perfectly circled right and uh, so so what i was doing is i was actually i actually um set up two plunge line marks okay so i've got a forward plunge and i've got where i want my plunge to actually be so and for me that difference is like three-eighths of an inch what is i don't so so as as in as in on my profile right right i will i will i will mark where i want my plunge to start like just a line straight across the whole thing yep and then i'll measure three-eighths in front of that and i'll do another one and maybe I'm weird doing that. On the center line? No, no, um, as in where I want my plunge to start. What the French toast? Point on this knife. Okay. What the F you're talking about. Okay. So, so let's say let's say this wasn't ground. Okay. Right? And I wanted the plunge to be here. Okay, he's showing where right? the plunge would right, be. Yeah. Right, where the plunge is actually ground yep. on that. I'd start here. Why? Because I like to drift it back to here. Whoa. Right? And I've tried to start it here. Whoa. I end up I end up I yeah, exactly. I I I'll start at three eighths of an inch forward and I'll do my entire grind. And then from there, and you, I, I leave I leave it I leave it fast. And then you right? walk it back. And then I walk it back. Okay. And and that gives me so much freedom. Then I can just focus on this little part right here, the front part on the edge. I'll blend that in a radius down, and then I'll go behind it and blend that in a you radius. You have like down. a warning plunge mark. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. Like, I absolutely. Plunge ahead. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, well, because I, mean, I don't need to worry about my grind because it's already done. Right. Right. So my 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 for my grind forward of that second mark is finished, and my grind height is already where it needs to be. Interesting. So I will I will pull it back to where I want it to be, and then stop, and then I will I will do it just on the edge, and I'll blend that, and then I'll blend the middle, and then I'll blend the top of the grind all the way back. And then I just feather it until Crazy. it looks right. I mean, because you'll you'll end doing that, you'll end up with like three different heights of grind. Yeah. And then you just you just go back. You find your center and your main grind, and you feed that right into it. Right. And, and just blend it all. And just blend it in. And if you need to go back in and touch up the 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 sweep the sweep of the plunge, you'll see where you're out of shape. Yeah. And you just go in and touch that area using that same method, and then boom, you're done. It's got this really great drop off. I'll have to try that. Yeah. I mean that so that's that's how that's how I'm probably wasting time I'm pro I'm, I'm positive that there's a faster way of doing it it's just for me that works like I don't think it works like I mean, a high percentage of the time I think there's a faster way to do it once mm -hmm. you have the muscle memory down maybe, and maybe that's it for me until yeah. then this is just what's working and then you calibrate your eyes and your hands and, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're like you know what I don't need to scribe that second line anymore right right you and know? that's that's uh, that's where I'd like to get to but like um no I, I took, think that's a great yeah. intermediate step you I, know what I mean yeah you're I like, took the extra time to just measure ahead and then just do my main grind not even worrying about what the plunges look like, right like at all you know just, i watched just, a guy grind yeah. i want to say it was zach buchanan but maybe it wasn't mm -hmm. it was the weirdest thing to me i was but brilliant mm -hmm. you want to get good plunge lines yeah he grinds plunges like if it's an eight inch blade yeah he'll grind four plunges on the length of the blade and then just like blend them out and the the last one is where it's supposed to be almost uh -huh. like they were practices 
Oh, okay. It, so he starts forward and then just like does that part and then goes behind it, does that part, goes behind it, does that part. It was crazy. Yeah. Huh. And I was like, that's wild. I that's, couldn't believe yeah. it. It was almost like plunge practice. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. the whole way down the blade. I was like, why do you do that on every knife or just this one? Yeah, it Maybe. was in a video. Maybe. I that, don't that, remember who it was. I want to say it was Zach, but I don't remember who that, it was. That's really interesting. That's almost a shade of what we were talking about before when uh, when we were talking about just grinding these daggers in general about how the last one will be your best looking one. Yeah, totally. You know? Well, and in well, this uh, case on a knife. Right, you know? right. One so, so maybe maybe he's just the guy that just needs that reset, you know, just like that method that just resets you back to here's this plunge. Now this one's better. This one's even better than that. This one's perfect. Hey, you want to be a better then, archer? Shoot a bunch of arrows every day. Right. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? So well, sure. Why not? So that's just like extra practice yeah. on one knife. Yeah. Pretty cool. That's pretty slick. Yeah. Pretty neat. So I've got I've got that. But um, I got some really, really good flat grind practice in. So we're doing a knife in the shop called the STS 7.5. We decided to resurrect the STS series out of the archive to reapply, to reapply, uh, you know, like a, like a, a cool little, you know, homage to, we'll see how it goes. But we decided against my better judgment to hand surface grind. Oh, yeah. So, so, and that was, that was to, that was to save time and save cost and just kind of do it on our own. We get a pretty good result. Oh, everything's still flat. Everything still fits really well. It's just a giant pain. Yeah. So we had one of the <clears throat> nudniks, <laughs> I love it. Love this word. I love it. <coughs> someone, someone was acting like one in the shop, and then they accidentally ground the ricasso flush with the grind. Ugh. So all of that steel is tapered from edge to spine. Right. Right. So, but uh, but our uh, our main bevel grinder left these edges super thick. Coincidentally, so there's like a ninety degree edge just on there initially. So I was able. It was awesome. I was able to take these two screwed up knives with perfectly blended that they had plunge lines before, right. but, then, but then they got ground flat out. I was able to actually reestablish them using the same method, just in front of it, establish the grind, creep it back. Yep. And just establish the grind, you know, you know, with some, with some really good flat grind practice for me anyway, get really, really nice grinds as I went and completely save the knife. There you go. That's so, what it's all and about. Then, and then move that center line over because the center line on the knife got moved. You know, as soon as they took all that steel away. So I was able to completely reestablish the grind on the one side. With, and, and then you can't tell. You know what so, is cool about this, though, is I was talking to a buddy of mine. He actually casts our bronze beads. Yeah. It's Robert Peterson yeah. at Mad Art Studios. What's up, Robert? I'll, I'll give him a plug. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because he does casting work. Mm-hmm. And they're like little sculptures, like so much effort goes into these things. And, and he makes little waxes and mm-hmm. then he casts it. And he, they, sometimes they come out like garbage, right? Something goes wrong in the casting oh, yeah, process. Yeah. So all that work is is virtually wasted right. if you don't have a mold, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he gets the luxury of remelting the bronze. Sure. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. know if it's a luxury, but he gets that opportunity. But, but he, right? can, he can, there's a reclamation. Right. That can happen. Yeah. And I was like, man, I well, at least you get to salvage that. I was like, if I mess up a knife, then I'm just out the belts, the knife, the, everything, mm-hmm. you know, everything, including yeah. the time and the labor. Mm-hmm. I can't really uh, reclaim any of the materials. Right? right. But then I got to thinking, I said, but I very rarely, if ever, I mean, in modern current era, discard a knife because it was a failure. Yeah. We have the luxury of being able to fix something. Mm-hmm. All the way until it's either A, within spec, or B, it becomes a custom version of what it could have been. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes there are errors where you're like, this is not going to be too spec, but it'll still be a functioning knife that's attractive and mm-hmm. meets all the criteria. Right. So I, I don't know. As a knife maker, I've always kind of appreciated that. 
um, that you can take something in your case that is a bizarre screw up. Like yeah, I've, yeah. Nev- I've never uh, been like, oh, I accidentally flat ground all my bevels out. It totally blew me away. It was like an easily, easily a sixteenth of steel laterally gone. on the side, gone, yeah, just yeah, at an angle, just totally gone. But you have the ability to kind of reshape that. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and blacksmiths literally reshape. You, yeah, I mean, they yeah. eat and hammer and forge and, and mm-hmm. change the shape of things so much. So as a knife maker, I just think that's a cool thing that we get to be like hey this is super wrong but i know how to fix it right and let's fix it and in your case you were able to make oem parts like you were able to make the right knife yeah this, yes still came out of the yep. wash Pro- came out in the yep. wash profile was good the only time the only way to ever be, actually be able to tell that it was screwed up is if you measure the spine versus the belly <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah, I can see. Right, that. The, the, in that instance, you'll be able to tell. You'll yeah. be like, I wonder if this is the one that Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. probably yeah, was. Yeah, that, that's that yeah, one. That's yeah. that one. Congratulations. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, 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 oh, and I was so angry because it had gotten built, and there was already a handle finished on it oh, at that point. And no. I'm like, oh, bro, <sighs> yeah. All right, that's well, rough. I might as well give it a shot. <laughs> but I was able to save it, and it's to spec, and it's out there now. That's so it's that's gone. Cool. Yeah. I uh so, I had an eye opening moment with this uh pilot knife. I mm-hmm. was uh I went to go regrind it and on the first pass, so the blade itself is black parkerized, right? Mm-hmm. So on your first pass you have a bright I think I used a, a real sharp one twenty grit ceramic belt just to because nice. I didn't need to remove a whole lot of material and I didn't yep. want to spend months finishing it either. So right. um months it would have been months, <laughs> but I didn't want to spend I, I'm like super dramatic. I didn't want to spend the next <laughs> rest of my life getting sixty grit scratches out. Uh, it would have been a tedium of effort. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but that very first pass, it left that bright 120 grit finish. And it looked like the surface of the moon. There were all these black <laughs> divots <laughs> everywhere. And I was like, we take production knives so for, for granted mm-hmm. that everything is just flat and right and everything's yeah. good. As soon as I took any abrasion to it, you could see where even these mechanically ground production knives mm-hmm. were just warbly as hell. And I, I couldn't believe it. So... Uh, yeah, so that was kind of fun. I just basically kept grinding until everything was flat and then made the other side look the same. So, but it worked out pretty well. But yeah, flat grinding is, I, in my opinion, flat grinding is harder than hollow grinding. I really, uh, I would, that. I would agree. I would agree. I grew up with convexing and I grew up with convexing from flat stock. And, you say convexing and a, like a Canadian or something. Con, convexing, eh? Con, con, convexing. 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 It's all right. <laughs> I, I will try to find a different way to say this. Convexing. Convex. Con, concave, con, convex. Anti-concave. Convex. Convex. Concave. <laughs> Thomas Concave. <Yeah. laughs> All right. But, Ridiculous. Yeah, I care. Yeah, I have no idea where I was going with that. But uh, You've been convexing but, for yeah, so long. I've been, I've been con- <laughs> con- <laughs> convexing <laughs> for so long. Um, but uh, flat grinding has definitely been the biggest learning curve for me that, I've, that I'm still riding. Yep. Because it's, it's the hardest for me to get a feeling on. It's the hardest one for me to settle into. Hollows I really didn't have a big problem with. You know, you get the hollow to a certain point. I don't know. I don't want to get into it too far, but hardest, but, uh, hardest part of a hollow yeah. is the tip. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's where everybody goes off mm-hmm. the rails. They they foil the edge and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, or or or, or, or at, on their way to travel to the tip, they're not they're not turning the knife enough, mm-hmm. and then they foil an inch behind the edge in the curve. Right. Yeah. In the belly. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. Ah. Yep. Yep. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, yep. oh, what is this? Yep. No so, flat grinds are, I, in my mm-hmm. opinion, the most challenging. Which it's weird that everybody jumps to flat grinds first and mm-hmm. there's this kind of mystique behind the hollow grind 
which I'm all for. Keep it alive, man. I do a lot of holograms. And yep. you're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. And you're like, yeah. it's it's actually uh, easier, in but my opinion. It settles. You can feel it. I mean, yep. it just settles into it. And then you're either making the edge thinner or you're raising the grind height. That's right. That's it. Yep, that's you, it. You can feel it. So, yeah, I really don't have a problem with, uh, with the hollows at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's why all these daggers are hollow, because I can do them fast, efficiently, and quickly, and evenly. Yeah, so, yeah. hologram <laughs> daggers can be a little bit of a challenge, even still. From that, <laughs> I'm in the middle of a batch of daggers right now, too. And mm-hmm. I tell you, man, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm at that point, and this is a, a candid aside, assuming that I'm talking to four listeners. I have no idea how many people listen, but... Uh, stats say about uh, 12. I don't want to know. I don't want to okay. know. I don't want to know right now. <laughs> There's a few zeros behind we'll, it. We'll stop at 12. <laughs> okay. Um, right now, I'm at this place, and maybe a lot of you guys are in a similar situation, so I'm going to share this. I'm at this place where I, I absolutely love making knives. Um, there is a point as a businessman where I'm looking at it saying, this. I, look, I make a decent living, so I, I don't want to make it sound like... I don't, you know what I mean? We have a good life, but I feel like I am investing eight hours, 12 hours into a knife and getting paid for three of those hours. And, Mm -hmm. and I am like, man, the time that goes into this and the finished product, I'm of the ethos and this is self-imposed. So I, I don't expect anybody else to adopt this, but on my leather work and on my knife work, I want it to look machine made. Mm-hmm. I've always had kind of a problem with, well, it's handmade. That's why it's so effed up. It, you know what I mean? I've always had, you know, that's a, a dramatic version, but. Well, I would agree that it should not be your go-to excuse for why your plunges are an eighth of an inch off. Well, it's handmade, bro. Right. What do you expect? Right. So, no, and that is the exact point. And so for me, if I hand make something, I want it to look machine made and I want it to be confusing mm-hmm. when people take a hold of one of our products i want to look at it and be like this dude did all this from nothing from a yeah. piece of bar stock you know what i mean like i and so mm-hmm. and i'm not even saying that i achieved that that's just my goal but to do that there's so much minute handwork that every step can be accomplished to 80 mm-hmm. percent first try Yep. You know, oh, look, even plunges. That's easy. Grind line straight. That's easy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, uh, 60 grit, 120, 220, or whatever the grit progression is that I'm doing that week. Sometimes I skip around. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this one needs to have a uh, mirror finish. Mm-hmm. And there is a lurking 60 grit scratch in that yeah. finish. And you can't yes. just dig a hole with abrasive sticks to get you it out. Take the whole bevel down. You have to take all the evenly. material. That's what a scratch is. It's the deepest yeah. part. You can't take out the deepest part. You have to bring all the other material to the bottom of the deepest yes. part. Yeah. So it becomes this major thing. And I have little sanding blocks that are radius to match my wheels. I have, I'll, I'll go back to the belt and try to get it or I'll try to, buff a lot but you don't want to overwork to mm-hmm. washes out and i love the way randall's look but let's face it it's not the crispest knife out there right, right yeah so i i have these problems you guys are my shrink right now i feel like i should lay down on a little <laughs> uh fainting couch we uh, should just get those for podcasting anyway i agree these plastic chairs kind of suck yeah <laughs> <laughs> no lumbar support um, <laughs> but so i'm kind of in this place where it's like i need to reevaluate and it's okay in my mind. And you guys may agree with this. It's okay to be like, Hey, this knife is cost prohibitive because this is what it's going to cost to make. And either people are going to buy it or they're not. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it, you're like, hey, this is going to be a seven hundred dollar knife, mm-hmm. and and they're either going to buy it or they're not. And if they don't, then stop making them. Right. You, you know what I mean? Yes. Like that's all you have yep. to do. And so that's kind of the phase that I'm at as a custom maker and a business owner is a where we have some new lines that we're going to be introducing where I get to be a little bit more hands off and I get to focus my time on the customs. But at that same time, the customs are going to have to demand a higher dollar because we're reliant mm-hmm. on the volume right now. Yep. And eventually I want to be able to focus and feel like I'm still putting food in the fridge mm-hmm. and beer through my kidneys. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Well, I mean, I mean, I imagine the entire idea is to get to the point where your custom shop pays for, pays at a proper rate for, for you and your life at, at the proper amount of labor that you're putting into it. But all that cash, you all that cash should be excess. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Right? Right. Like if you need a quick shot in the arm, you can do it. You can do a custom and then all of a sudden that funds all of the steel for the next 15. You, you you know? No, or, or, no, there's a lot right. of truth in that. You know, yeah. that I, you know, but, but that that's, that's, I, I hate to use the word superfluous because it's not superfluous. It's part of the business model. It's just, it's just, you've got it segregated mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe I'm getting too far in depth for the podcast, but, but, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, it, it should be relaxing that whole endeavor should be should be relaxing to you i think yeah as i'm in my 10th year of being a custom knife maker mm-hmm. so i kind of miss the days of the passion project i, I get like mm-hmm. one a month yes you know what i mean well, that, I, yeah that's what i was kind of saying too is along the same lines where i'm like i'm gonna finish this knife i don't care if it's 2 a.m mm-hmm. not i know it, sometimes it's like we have to finish all these knives i don't care if it's 2 a.m but uh, that one knife where i'm like i just want it just right Mm -hmm. and i will stop at nothing and every tool in the shop will get used every file will get used every rag will be graded as to you know whatever it is like those are the best to me where i have to fabricate a part on that knife that looks like it was purchased off a shelf you know Mm -hmm. what i mean where i have to fire up the lathe and switch over to the mill and make everything just right so everything fits perfect or hand file this notch so there's a perfect union i mean that is what i i really love that unfortunately unless Unless I'm dead, it's not profitable because that's when all that work becomes valuable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Otherwise, you're doing it as a hobbyist, mm-hmm. and I have to do it as a family breadwinner. So right. there are no shortcuts that I take in my regular customs. I just end up making less money that month because I have to do that on every knife. Right. And there are batch building. I have two belt grinders, which isn't very many, but I have two so I can do belt progressions, and that saves me time in the long mm-hmm. run. Uh, some time management, which I'm always trying to work on. And I'm terrible at Dude, me too. Uh, I'm terrible at it. Now. You know, that's mm-hmm. another thing that I have to do. But the fact of the matter is where the real shrink is to use a retail term of loss, where the real loss is, is the time that is spent on every single knife because I want it to be just so, or at least if it's a standard model within a pretty tight spec mm-hmm. and it, 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 they don't all have to be exactly perfect, but they have to be within so many thousands of each other to be just right. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm nerding out. Maybe I'm doing this unnecessarily. I don't really want to relax that. What I would rather do is just make a couple extra bucks. And I've been told that we undercharge yeah. a lot and mm-hmm. you can only be told that so many times and it's not arrogance and it's not ego that goes into it. It's like, 
you're leaving money on the table, basically. Yep. And if you overcharge, you can't go backwards. You can't be like, well, uh, I'm a famous knife maker. I've got a podcast and I've got a corner booth and blade <laughs> and I've got a website and I have these things. And now my knives are $1,800 a piece. And then nobody right. shows up and you're like, just kidding. They're 600 because guess what? Yeah. Somebody's going to have bought that $1,800 knife and you're going to just cut their throat. Yes. Yeah, and, you're, and you're just going to debase yeah. their collection. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you can't do that. So you have to use extreme caution mm-hmm. because- you are. You have to take into consideration your customers as well. Yeah. You have to look out for their best interests. Honestly, I would love their, and we have structured it a way that there absolutely is what we consider meat on the bone. There is, there's enough value in the knife. If I make a knife and sell for four hundred dollars, that knife realistically on the secondary market is worth six to seven hundred bucks. Right. And that means as soon as somebody buys a knife or takes possession of it, their investment has gone up. They have a good ROI. Right. Now, yep. who's to say that we can't split that? Right, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just oh. bring it up a little bit. Yeah, okay. So this if it's, worth, if it's worth six to seven, there's no reason why Matt can't sell it for five fifty. Yeah, right, right, exactly, or six hundred, yeah. and not have to rely on the grace period of bills. Right, you know yes. what I mean? Like, be right there, making a little bit more comfortable living, mm-hmm. still leaving some meat on the bone, so that these guys can make money on these knives should they decide to get out from under them. Yeah, you know, whatever it is, and that kind of keeps the lifeblood flowing in the brand because now I'm financially secure enough to keep producing, mm-hmm. and I. Again, this is all over-dramatized, but I want to make a caricature to uh, illustrate a point. Just illustrate the point. Right. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. I mean, I've got a similar I've got a similar goal with the custom shop on my end too, but it's definitely not uh, the same the same as yours. But really but really my whole thing is just I'm starting cheap and then I plan to hit a certain price point and then not go beyond that. There you go. Yeah. And then and then and then uh, another huge point. Me too. I don't want to go above 2 million bucks. Like I, that's I have yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking like if I was going to do a one off it'd be like $600 and if I was going to do 24 maybe they'll be $300 each. That that was like going to be mine. We've all got ceilings, man. No, yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah. Mine's just my, mine's just realistic. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah. So, um yeah, it's a it's it's a little bit of a walking tightrope with the custom shop for me. I, th- I think it is because it, there's 35,000 makers, Jim, mm-hmm. in the United States. That's yeah. the closest estimate, right? Yeah. This is a tightrope that everybody walks. So every, it's true. Every Everybody's got their own, their own goals, too, between the tightrope, too. What if I overprice? Yeah. What if nobody shows up to my yeah. party? You, you know right. what I mean? That's basically right. what it is. Oh, I, I think you get all psyched out. You're like, this is an $800 knife. And you're like, I'm going to put it out there. And then everyone's like, I'm not paying 800 bucks for that. Right. And you're like, oh, then you want to hang yourself. You know, <laughs> fortunately, that hasn't happened yet in my world. You know, there have been times where we've we've upped the price mm-hmm. and just been like, okay, here we go. You know what I mean? Right. We're going right. to walk this nude beach. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody high fives you. And you're like, oh, thank God that so, it was warm. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> you know? it's, it's good. To, it's good. To, instead of jumping in with both feet, you're just testing the testing the water with your toe. Oh, you know, God. I mean, instead of instead of. Because, because I mean, we've both we've both seen that before, where other custom knife makers are like, "Well, I've been making knives for six months. This knife is two thousand dollars." Okay, and yeah. you're like, "Okay, <laughs> maybe in bot, right?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not, and I'm not talking about the knife makers who have been only making knives for two years, and then like legitimately, it's worth that because it's awesome. Yeah, some you know, new guys yeah, just have it, right? right some yeah. some new guys just get it, but there there are some guys who definitely don't. So there's definitely an ego thing there. But uh, my tightrope, my tightrope is that. Bark River is my number one concern. Right. Right. And and I, I actually have to start doing videos again because I got to get back on that yeah. like as soon as possible. As but, he taps his camera yeah. behind him that's covered in about an inch of dust. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it is. Yeah. I got to get back on that. And um, 
And uh, the custom shop thing is a fun thing for me for two things. One, it's for scratch on the side, and two, it's for it's for experiments. Yes. Right. And it's for and it's for if if Matt wants to come in and jump on the Burger Burger Custom Shop, he has an open invite. Uh, same thing for Dan Tope or Donovan Phillips or or anybody that wants to jump into it. We just have to come up with a design on our own. We have to decide on a quantity and then we just make it. But but it, it's more of a fun thing on the side. And I have a I've capped it out at a maximum of fifty for whatever model it is. Oh, so nice. that's, that's limited runs. Right. Yeah. That's just my that's just my thing with 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 this. It's arbitrary, it's, but it makes yeah. sense. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Maybe it's just because I've been working really long. Hours. Should have been like. You should have been like thirty-seven. That's our number. We won't make more than thirty-seven. <laughs> Keep it really weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Why thirty-seven? I'm like, and I'm like, now it's thirty-six. Had to stop somewhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> awesome. All right. So uh, why don't we take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. All right, we're all knife guys. We know that, right? And gals, we're all we're, we are knife people. Uh, that's why we listen to this show. You that's, listen to the show. Do you know the way? <laughs> knife people. <laughs> well, what if your hobbies extend beyond just flipper videos on Snapchat? What if you are a fine woodcarver? Then what? How do you keep your tools in tip-top shape? Well, I can tell you firsthand account third-hand account from a story that I heard from a good friend of mine that he turned his father-in-law onto nanocloth at Genda Industries that we told you about. It's kind of a honeycomb matrix that soaks up all the diamond emulsion goo and it dispenses it at an even rate as you drag and hone your pieces across this synthetic strop. Well, he turned his father-in-law for sharpening his wood chisels. The guy does fine wood carving. He turned him on to the nanocloth to sharpen his chisels. And you're like, well, duh. It's not just for Sebenzas anymore, guys. You can use this for any edged tool. And not only that, Genda Industries offers a full line of things you can rub on any edge tool to make them perform better. Just go visit them at www.gendaindustries.com. J-E-N-D-E industries.com. Don't forget to use the code BTBTRENCH at checkout to save 10% on most sharpening products. And we are back. Welcome back, everybody. There is something in the air, and this is just, (laughs) I'm telling you, it's kind of funny. It's kind of pathetic also. Look, um, I would say the direction of the knife industry has very obviously moved towards social media. Mm -hmm. Uh, That makes up 100% of our business, right? It's all based on social media. Well, because a lot of business in the knife industry happens on a personal level. Right. Right. So, so it's a natural evolution to be able to reach somebody on a personal level without actually being in front of that person. So, so social media tends to tends to fill act as that kind of like a social construct. Oh, totally for, for the entire industry. Well, and you get to concentrate your demographic. We would yeah. have to live in a town of ten to twenty thousand knife enthusiasts exclusively right. yes. to be able to reach what it is that we reach on a daily basis because of the internet. Yep. A- absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that coin are trolls. Mm-hmm. As you guys mostly know, uh, as you guys I'm sure sh- assuredly know, there are always people in every single group that are just like, 
<laughs> I'm gonna go on the internet today. Right. <laughs> and and I have this very firm belief that our lives have become too easy mm. and there aren't enough saber tooth tigers out there to call the herd. <laughs> so instead of having to fight for our lives against nature, we get online and act like tough guys. And right. so I right. don't understand and I imagine there's a fair amount of that because it's the knife community and the knife itself is somewhat yeah. of an empowering implement and it attracts a certain type of person. Actually, it probably attracts like five subsets that I'm not all going to list, but one of mm -hmm. those is the guy who is compensating for some social awkwardness and sometimes that right. manifests an aggression. Right? right. And every group has that type of guy, right? Car groups have that guy. Motorcycle groups have that guy. Yes. Knife groups definitely have that guy. Gun groups have that guy. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and the knife guys in this instance really aren't any different, but we still have to put up with them. <laughs> so how do you deal with them? You know, and, and we just had, we had one cat, I'm not going to give his name or anything, but he basically just went in and waved a brown flag across <laughs> almost every group that I'm a member of. He just, and he was just laying waste to all this stuff. And at first you're like, oh, your account get hacked. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it was being pretty vulgar. And so how did we deal with him? Well, in our group, um, you know, it's uh, recognize the threat. Like, did, did you misunderstand something? Right. This guy yeah. made a comment that I perceived as inflammatory but without, you know, poking the bear, you're like, hey, uh, what did you mean by that? You know, maybe I misinterpreted right. it. Right. Can you clarify? Right. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. whatever it is. And and he basically responded back with a bunch of four letter expletives. And I, I laughed and then I just <laughs> removed him from the group. And so I, and, you know, I told him that it was adorable what he was doing. And then I booted him from the group. <laughs> So, and then, you know, I go in another Facebook group, which I don't actually get on online that often. I have been this week, which is out of character for me. But of course, that's the one time that all the trolls come out. <laughs> and uh, and I see him doing this across several other groups. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I don't like, the thing that I would discourage the most, and I can't say that I'm 100% innocent, but I think if we brought all this up, Maybe we could shift the culture a little bit. When these D bags show up on the scene, just make them go away. Like just because they, because they're just there to right. to stir the pot. You know what I mean? They're not they're not contributing anything, and you actually don't look any better when you play into it. No, you don't. You actually look a little bit at. At best, you look like a bleeding heart, and at worst, you look like a fool. Right. Yeah, yeah I know? would say absolutely. Yeah. So I, if we could do this, and again, I have, I have no idea how many people actually listen to the show, but if everybody at one point before you posted, especially on a bandwagony post that all of a sudden mm -hmm. turns into this herd of... What would you, what would you like lemmings, I guess? Like every, <laughs> yes. what, what do you call it? Sure. There's an internet term for that where everybody uh, bandwagon, 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 yeah, bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. So if you catch yourself bandwagoning, just pause for a moment and be like, if I were to have a heart attack right now, do I want my last words to be a meme talking trash about somebody who honestly doesn't exist? Because let's face it, this mm -hmm. personality is a, a construct of this guy's like id mm -hmm. or ego. This isn't yes. like a real person. Yeah, it's only because there's no immediate consequence for him acting that way. Right. Because because as as Matt so eloquently put earlier in the day, he would have been defecating his own teeth. 
before <laughs> he even became aware. <laughs> right, before I before, even... Before Matt even became aware of him. That's what I... I ultimately, that's what I told him. I was like, come on, man. You don't really act like this in person or you would have pooped your teeth by now is what I told him in not so polite terms. Uh, so, look, these aren't real people, even though they're real people pushing the keys, I think. They might be Skynet for all I know. It's the Russians. But, yeah, <laughs> we don't need to give in to them and we don't need these flooding pages and threads of this garbage that becomes inflammatory and it's just kind of a blight on the community in my opinion mm -hmm. i think you should be cool with everybody um i think in person it's different uh i am also of the school a lot of people say respect has to be earned yeah you know honestly i don't buy that trust has to be earned yes respect is granted respect i is respect granted, every yeah. every human being yep. every plant every animal i meet i respect it but it doesn't mean I trust you. It doesn't right. mean you can watch my kid. Right. That just, mean, <laughs> you know I mean? that just, that just means you're not going to immediately leap to inflammatory expletives <laughs> right off the bat. It means you're going to observe the normal rules of, of society. Right. And just say, hello, how are you? Nice to meet you. And the guy goes, well, I think you're a... And then, and then at that point, you're you, nothing's lost because you didn't trust him to begin with. Right. And <laughs> if you talk to somebody like that at Blade Show, you can expect a rap on the beak. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's okay. Yeah. You can't do that on the internet and play into it. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I just let's drop the bandwagoning. Let's drop the flaming. Let's mm -hmm. drop all these because they really are a blight on the community and they get in the way of so many great interactions, which happen in the knife community. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to figure the, the knife community. Think of it as like this big old honking boy scout meeting camp out you know what i mean yeah. everybody wants to have stories to tell between each other they have a common theme we're interested in the same things even if it's different styles and tastes you can introduce a, a toned down version of a style that you like you like todd heater knives you like loveless knives well what if you know you could learn of new features between the two that you enjoy so it, i just i would like to see this go away but it is worth mentioning that there's something in the air because i've seen more trolls and knife groups <laughs> in the last 48 hours than i think i've ever seen yeah, yeah it's crazy yeah, the, the moon the moon itself has risen over the internet land it might and even all be all the trolls have come out might be yeah. holiday stress <clears throat> it i as a as a normal thing to try to pin it on sure we could go ahead and say holiday stress. Yeah, okay. That's adorable, man. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> no, say that. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, it's like, because I don't have a better answer. Yeah, I'm just, you know, holiday stress might be it. Maybe maybe it was just a guy who had some sort of inordinate medical bill that he had to pay or something. I don't know. And then he's I, like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to internet real hard right, right. now. <laughs> I'm going to get on the internet and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to MF this guy right. so hard right now because I live in my mom's basement. And then everybody, and, and then everybody <laughs> jumps in on it. Yeah, I, I just, I, it's not... It's not becoming, and I never feel as greasy as when I get pet the wrong way by something and then comment on it. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to you know, just give him a good tongue lashing. You know what I mean? And then, I, I feel like a jackass at the end of that. So I, And I think we all kind of do. Nobody yeah. feels like when they say something mean online because it's so empty, right. nobody feels satisfied. I mean, that's like getting no. stoned and eating an entire thing of ice cream at 1 a.m. You're like... <laughs> I really thought I wanted ice cream, <laughs> and now I really regret eating a whole gallon of it in front of a TV. <laughs> so it's very uh -huh. empty, guys. Yes. So yeah, I, I recommend um, yeah not not doing yep. that, and just stay vigilant. Don't fall prey to their trap. 
Yeah, just like a, just whatever group you're in, whatever subject it may be, just go ahead and tag an admin yeah. at that point or PM them and say, and say, this guy's acting a fool. Can you... I didn't even think about it. You know, yeah. I, this is going to sound super arrogant. No, it's okay. Most of the groups I've met, I'm an admin. <laughs> so I'm just like, you're gone. <laughs> you, just, you just do it on your own. <laughs> right, right. right yeah. Okay, yeah. so let me amend that to say if yeah. the admin hasn't already taken care of it or addressed it, <laughs> you know, for the for the good of the group. Yeah, yeah that's uh, in the in the BRK group, dude, we didn't even see it. The guy didn't even get that far. No, I think your old man actually yeah. popped him when he saw it because it was yeah. like... Uh, he saw it in the other groups. Like it was a knife sales and trading group and then it was your group. I think you removed him. Dark Timber group. And, and yeah. the, the other Dark Timber group Yeah, I don't well. want to give this guy too much credit, <clears throat> the the troll himself, because now everybody knows who we're talking about. But uh, right. yeah, it's just like... Uh, yeah, when you can see the the dust cloud of the rustlers <laughs> coming up over the horizon. <laughs> and you're like, well, I think I'm going to lock the gate. <laughs> right. right. It, was, it was definitely one of those situations. Yeah. Where dad's like, well, is this guy in our group? Yeah. He is. Ha <laughs> Not anymore. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. You're gone. Didn't even get a chance. Yeah. So yeah, they're out there. Gang. <laughs> Stay vigilant. I hope you guys have a killer holiday. I don't know that we're going to be back by Christmas. You have a calendar app on I this can computer. Pull, yeah, I do actually here. It's just, just click the, the clock. Poop. Yeah. Just a boop. So next week, we're, uh, what do you think? I think I'm going to be too busy playing with Christmas presents. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think we're going to be, we're going to be in the same thing. So why don't, why don't, why don't I say we go ahead and come back on the third on January 3rd. So this is the last show of 2018. Oh my God. And it's episode so, 40. It's episode 40. So, so, um, we will, we'll see you guys in 2019. Yeah. We'll see you next year. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, oh my God. But <laughs> yeah. So thank you very much for spending this year with us. It's been nothing short of a challenge, mm-hmm. but, uh, we did get the new studio up in oh, this th- year. Right. It looks beautiful. It looks really good. It looks neat. It looks really good. Yeah. We're, we're, and, and we're still only going up. We still have more stuff to do and more plans to go, more equipment to get. Oh, we and, just pulled the trigger. Jim just installed, uh, Last week, I think this week or last. It was, week? It was a couple of weeks ago. It was a couple of weeks ago. I uh, okay, yeah. You, you computer nerds out there are gonna laugh. I for for running our podcast computer, I had a GTX four sixty, which is like you know six gener seven generations old. <laughs> so, but it was like it was like a two gigabyte card that I bought for three hundred bucks, brand new, way way back in the day. I upgraded to um, a Newegg Sale ten sixty, so six gigabyte card. So we're going to be editing flawless 1080p video here pretty quick. That's we're setting the board, and mm-hmm. thank God Jim is the captain of the tech division because I have abs. <laughs> I'm sitting here holding the old one. I'm like, this thing looks fancy, <laughs> but I, and it's still functional. You want to take it? Go ahead and take it. Put it in your computer. I don't even have a computer. It's over there, isn't it? Oh, I, I guess we have Acom. This is about the level of my knowledge, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess we do have a computer. I don't think I need this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, no, but yeah, Jim is definitely spearheading that part. Um, yeah, he's he's the talent in the tech division. Uh, this isn't really a brains operation, so it's not like there's brains and brawn. It's just one guy knows computers, and the other guy knows a guy who knows computers. So it works out pretty well. <laughs> You'll give yourself nearly a much credit, sir. All right, well, thank you, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and sign out. My name is Jim Stewart for Behind the Blade Podcast, sitting across and also coincidentally signing out for Mad Martin. We will see you guys next year. Merry Christmas, gang. And a happy new year.